This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another show for a much more awake Tom than I was yesterday evening. I really am so glad that I'm not going to have to do another Wednesday evening show after a shift because it is an absolute killer to do those shows. It really is not a very nice thing. So if you haven't checked out my reaction, go see a very tired Tom talking about Arsenal's game yesterday and obviously the repercussions of it as well uh, and drop a like on it because it was painful it really was having to record so much better much more awake had the shower not had the breakfast yet still need to have that but if you are joining me with your morning breakfast or even if you're not and you're somewhere else in the world at a very different time of day congratulations and welcome and uh, I hope you have had a fantastic week as much as you possibly could done we're halfway through Two more days, guys, and it's your weekend. So, of course, this is the Arsenal Transfer Show, our daily 8 a.m. show in which we discuss all the latest Arsenal transfer news, get your thoughts in the chat box, and, of course, react to some of the permutations of what things might mean. We go into some detail and trying to explain and make sense of things as much as feasibly possible. And we're going to do that today regarding the UEFA Conference League. At the end, we are going to focus on a little bit of transfer news first. But I hope you're doing good in the chat box, guys. And let's crack on with our first story uh, which revolves around a player that we already have uh, but we may not have much longer and that is Joe Willock. Of course Joe has gone on loan to Newcastle this season um, from January of course and has done exceptionally well, has been scoring hand over fist uh, for them, has helped them stay in the league and has practically outshone everyone else in the Newcastle side. His tenacity to get into the box has rewarded him hugely Um, And obviously, after he scored again yesterday against Sheffield United, he was asked after the game what his future would be. And he responded with saying that he's not sure. He says, I need to have a conversation and see what the best move for me is. I have made friends for life and made a really big connection with the fans. It is one of my options and I am going to consider it. So... That, obviously, from an Arsenal perspective, doesn't seem too great because he's going to be considering a move to Newcastle. He has done very well there. They have given him everything that he could have possibly wanted in regards to minutes, time, freedom, uh, faith, support from the fan base. It's all been there for him. And if you're a player 
that is obviously been on very much on the fringes at Arsenal and not particularly been not welcomed, but not really appreciated. I certainly haven't appreciated Joe Willock at Arsenal. I've pretty much said from a couple of years back that I felt that he was never really going to make it at Arsenal um, and that I didn't really see anything that was going on at Arsenal that was making me feel anything different. And I don't think I was wrong in that assessment by what I'd seen at Arsenal, but I, I think what has definitely been shown at Newcastle is that when you give him more freedom and time and minutes, that he can have an impact on the team. Uh, of course, he has developed a little bit later, um, but I think he deserves a shot. I think he deserves a shot to prove me wrong even more, to prove everyone else wrong that doubted him, and and hopefully Arsenal do bring him back next season. The only way I would ever be open to selling Joe Willock at this point is if we got a ridiculous bid, and I'm talking like 30 million quid plus at this stage. I know that may seem excessive, but when you've got a player that's been scoring so much in the Premier League and is so valuable to that Newcastle team, you need to be smart in the market. You need to be ruthless and you need to ask for as much money as feasibly possible. Be like, look, you're not having him. He's under our contract. He's a he's a long-term player at the club. He came through the academy. We've developed him. He's gone to you. He saved you from relegation. If you want him, you're going to have to pay for him. And I'm sorry, but it's fantastic to see his price go up as much as he has done. But we are not going to be accepting anything less than a very, very solid fee uh, for Joe Willock in the summer window if, we were, if we're going to allow him to leave. I mean, think about Manchester United and Jesse Lingard right now. How much are they going to realistically allow him to go for if they actually are going to let him go? And the answer is going to be a lot. And he has been as impactful for Newcastle as Lingard has been for West Ham this season. It's, it's for me, absolutely no debate that they are one and the same in terms of the value to their teams and to the players and the other sort of staff at the club that they've meant since they've gone there. So no doubt in my mind that Joe Willock needs to be being sold for an absolute, absolute huge fee uh, if he does indeed go. But I'm also very open to seeing, seeing him stay and seeing him develop at the club and get more minutes. We lack goals from midfield and he seemingly brings that. So that is certainly something I'm in favour of. Let's see what you guys are saying in the chat box. Good morning to everybody that has tuned in and says, Goal Willock, got to be 25, 30 million now. Surely sell and reinvest in Buendia. Uh, Asowa says, Jack the price up 100%. Porky Pork says, uh, good interview, Joe. Get your value up, fella. Uh, Constantin says, we have to keep Willock. He deserves a chance for next year. For now, he costs 40 million plus. No Sleep says, I'm all for keeping Willock, but if we get a silly offer like 35 million, I'd still rather we sell him and get Buendia. Matt G says, we need to sell him. Let's not make the same mistake as we did with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And that's a very solid point. If you remember back to last window, Maitland-Niles had a very decent end of the season, helped us win an FA Cup, beating Man City and Chelsea. And we had a big, decent offer, around 18 million quid from Wolves, the second offer that came in. Both of them were rejected. The first one was around 15 million. And you have to say that this summer, we bite your arm off for about 18 million quid for Maitland-Niles. If there is a big bid that comes in this summer for Willock, you probably have to be a little bit smart and think, you know what, we can probably reinvest that in a player that could give us even more at that, that level. Because we it's, a, it's still a risk. He's doing this at Newcastle, and it's still a risk to think that he would be able to do that at Arsenal in this system in a different formation, whatever. It's a different scenario. We just we just don't know. Um, and so maybe the, the, the less risky option is to accept a very decent fee for the guy. 
Um, Ansgar says, Joe was always good at Europa League level. He has now taken that to the Premier League, so maybe we should keep him. Lee says, if we get 35 million for Awobi, Joe must be 45 million. <laughs> to be fair to Awobi, he was scoring a fair few goals at Arsenal. Not loads, but uh, more than Willock was. Uh, DigiThing says, he's a, he, uh, I think he's had a bad match for Arteta's system but he fully deserves to stay, not just sure it's smart. Uh, Wesley says, always emotional about our kids, of course. Tom says, he can be an ox slash a woe be great sale. We need that cash in the window. Uh, Kigi says, he's good for Arsenal. Sorry, he's good for Newcastle, but he's not necessarily going to be that for Arsenal. And Peter says, we should sell. Um, and Tim Jello says, let him rotate in the middle with Partey and Basuma and Emil Smith throw and watch him become the box-to-box that we've lacked since Vieira. Wow, that is high praise indeed. Now, moving on to more quotes uh, from a player that is currently not ours, but with us is Martin Udegaard. Of course, he would put in the fantastic ball into the box yesterday, which Gabriel Martinelli got on the end of and has been influential in his own way at different times at this season. You think about, obviously, he scored against Tottenham Hotspur. He scored against Olympiacos. He's played some influential performances, like away at West Ham, and now has come off the bench and, and done a really good job in yesterday's win over Crystal Palace. People are open to the idea of seeing Erdogan come in. I am mixed. Uh, I don't know if it would be the right choice for us or not. I think we would struggle to see kind of the output that, in comparison to how much it would cost. That's that's my worry. I feel like there are more consistent goal scorers and assisters out there that we could go for. But in regards to what he said, he says, I am happy here at Arsenal. This is a quotes from this week. He says, we will see after the season what will happen. Uh, he told Sky in Germany, I'm owned by Real Madrid, so we have to speak to them. It's important to understand what they want. Um, but he seems very kind of open to the idea uh, of staying at Arsenal and he's happy here. Whether or not that means anything comes from this is still a huge question. Um, I think it would cost probably more than the money that you'd get for Joe Willock considerably. Um, to get him into the club. And I just don't know whether or not that's that's a good deal um, for Arsenal. If it was another loan and we could focus maybe money bringing in, uh, like sorting out players in centre midfield at right back and maybe a forward, possibly even obviously a centre back, backup left back, goalkeeper, um, maybe I'd be more open to that and it would allow another season to really see if Emil Smith-Rowe can be a flourishing player in that position and he can play with him, of course, too. I'm just not sure. What I would say is that obviously since he's arrived and since Smith-Rowe has come into the team, Arsenal's form has increased dramatically. With the look at the form table since Christmas when Smith-Rowe came in and then since January when Erdogan came in, Arsenal's results have improved in the league hugely um we don't know if that would happen from the start of next season but that trend hopefully would continue if you were still able to add that kind of attacking creative player into the team and maybe we wouldn't have been dropping as many points as we did at the first half of the season matt g says i'd take erdogan he was great before his injury surely we want players who are happy um max menendez says i like erdogan i hope we can keep hold of him indonil says erdogan on a one-year loan if finances are an issue otherwise sign buendia permanently hanyumi is not a fan and says bin him social says i'd be happy to swap willa for erdogan i'm sure real madrid would bite our hand off for him tom says another erdogan season loan would be great alistair says erdogan doesn't have the physicality for the premier league which is a very interesting statement because we've seen plenty of really kind of 
low center of gravity uh, kind of players do really well this season, um, which is it always comes down to the people saying that it, they don't have the physicality for the league. But I think that's an overrated characteristic for a player because there's, I mean, you look at Phil Foden and his technical skill. He's not a massively physical player, and yet he still deals with the physicality of the league. You saw the goal he scored against Brighton. It's, I think it's a bit of an overrated because in that sense, you're just looking for guys that are going to be six foot plus that have got really big strength for you. Guys in the mold of Adama Traore, who even himself, Adama Traore has got the physicality for the Premier League, but he doesn't, his output's very low. So I think it's a, it's, it's a bit of a contradictory point. Um, Constantine says, Erdogan is a good player, but I would like someone who plays number 10, perhaps an hour. Oh, the hour thing. Okay, I'm just going to put this out there. Awar and Erdogan, I'm snapping your arm off for Erdogan over Awar. I don't want another passenger in the team. I really do not want another passenger at Arsenal. He, When Leon play badly, Awar is not the type of guy that drags you towards wins. If you're playing well, he emphasizes that. Very similar to kind of Ozil's situation. I don't want another Ozil, and that's what Awar is to me in terms of not only his performances and the way that he plays, but just a bit of the attitude side of things and his his, his, head, his headstrong kind of elements are not there for me to be an Arsenal player. Whereas Erdogan is different in that sense. He has that mentality. He has the leadership qualities. He drags that team forward vocally. Uh, and that's different for me, for sure. Um, so there you go. Uh, Arjun says, Erdogan is a neat player, but needs better output, more goals and assists. So maybe that's something that would come with time. Of course, he did join us in the middle of January. It's very hard to get up to speed um in that sense so you do have to take that into account let's move on to the final transfer story before we go on to the uefa conference league stuff and this is regarding ryan bertrand um lots of discussions going on yesterday because you probably saw that he is now being linked with a move to leicester brendan rogers wants to take ryan bertrand on a two-year contract to be uh kind of backup and maybe even a starter in the team at left back because of course Leicester have lost um, quite a few of their players through injury. They've been playing the youngster Thomas, uh, left back. Obviously, Christian Fuchs is, is getting towards the end of his career now. Uh, they've got Ricardo Pereira and Timothy Castagna. Castagna can play at left back and has done that very well at times, but he's not a natural sided left back. And Bertrand would probably get more minutes starting uh, at left back at uh, Leicester than people are giving him necessarily credit for, which is very interesting, obviously. Uh, and they've got a situation there. And I think that they would be able to actually guarantee Bertrand more minutes than Arsenal would, because, of course, we have Kieran Tierney, another player that Leicester were supposedly interested in last summer. So it's, it, does, it does strike me as a little bit ironic that there's been a lot of criticism of the signing of Bertrand and yet a lot of praise for the way that Leicester do their business. And even though Leicester are now linked to Bertrand, um, the same kind of characters on social media are turning around and saying that, nope, still not a good signing, but Leicester are still great. So, you know, there is lots of kind of hypocrisy and, and contradictions going on, that is for sure. Um, so there you go. There you go. Uh, Ansgar says, Tom, you do seem to lean very heavily on the information you get from experts. Uh, I don't see the AWAR problem. Um, interesting statement. <laughs> Of course, I would lean heavily on the advice I get from the experts that watch these guys week in, week out over my own assumptions. Um, I, I, just a weird statement, Ansgar. I don't really understand. <laughs> uh, here we go. Let's go for more Bertrand comments in the chat. Uh, Ali says, agreed with your position on Bertrand. Would be a great backup to Tierney. 
homegrown. We just need to negotiate the deal well enough. No more than two years and no insane wages. Well, he is on 70 grand a week and he is supposedly open to being a two-year deal. That's what he wants, apparently. So fingers crossed that is something that Arsenal can still get done. Um, Wilson says, why are some Arsenal fans being snobby on Bertrand? There is nothing wrong with an experienced player to provide cover for left back. Um, there's a couple of reasons, Wilson. One, it's ingrained in our history. Arsenal fans can be like that. Johnny Evans, for etc. thinking about deals like that. Um, and then the other option, the other kind of reason as to why is because of I call it PTSD from from signings like Willian and Czech and Louise and Cedric and players like this and Welbeck. Players that we've signed from other Premier League clubs that are more experienced coming towards the latter stages of their career and have not necessarily performed at the top, top level. I think Louise is a bit of an outlier. But I think because of his age, people just drop him into a category with, say, Willian and think he's going to do the exact same thing when this is very different. This is for a position that is going to be occupied by Kieran Tierney, but for the most part... And he is a homegrown player, Bertrand. And he's good. And he's a good player. You watch the tactical breakdown that we did on Bertrand. He statistically carries out so many more output than, than Tierney in a lot of areas. And it's interesting to see that. And not only that, but the eye test from Alex Stewart from TIFO Football, who was joining us for the show, also was full of very high praise for Bertrand, despite not having one of his best seasons. So there you go. Let's move on to our final story, uh, which, of course, revolves around the UEFA Conference League. Now, this is something that I'm very interested in, obviously, because on Sunday it will be decided whether or not we're going to be in it. If you look at the, the fixtures that are being played, Arsenal, Everton and Spurs, Arsenal have the easiest one. Of course, I know we're playing against Brighton, who we tend to struggle against, um, that we play them. Manchester City are playing Everton and Leicester are playing Spurs. Leicester are desperate for a win against Spurs, of course, to try and keep their Champions League hopes alive. So they'll be really pushing for that. Man City are, of course, at home, I believe, against Everton uh, with the chance to play in front of their fans to lift the trophy, which they'll want as an incentive to try and beat them. So that's big. And of course, Pep will want to do Arteta a favour as much as he can. We know they're best of jobs. Uh, and then us against Brighton, of course. So you would think that Arsenal have the most favourable of the fixtures, which would maybe lean into saying that they're the most likely to gain that seventh place position, purely based on those facts. Now, if Arsenal are to get into the UEFA Conference League, and we're going to talk a lot about this tonight on the podcast, so make sure you tune in tonight at 8.30pm. I'll be joined by a few guests to go through all of this. Um, but specifically in regards to kind of how it affects Arsenal's transfer window, we're getting, well, we need to know about the prize money. And, and that's something that is very elusive if you've ever tried to search it up online. Um, so with a lot of kind of research and estimations, we're going to try and have a look at what this would mean, Arsenal finishing seventh in the table. Now, if you look at the Champions League prize money, it's excessive and it's something that we desperately need. And something why I really get very confused as to why people turn around and go, why would be why would you want to be in the Champions League? Because you, you're going to lose every game, you're going to get knocked out in the last 16, um, and you're going to go home and it would be pointless. Well, the, one of the biggest reasons is because of this. Um, just for entering the group stage, you get 15 million quid, or 15 million euros. For every win in the group stage, 2.7 million euros. For every draw, 900,000 uh, cents going into your bank. If you reach the round of 16, 9.5 million. If you reach the quarterfinals, 10.5 million. Semifinals, 12. Final, 15. And the winners would get an additional 20 million euros as well. This drops significantly playing in the Europa League, in which obviously you get 2.92 million euros for being just in the group stage. For every win, you get just over 500 grand. 
and for every draw you just get just under 200 grand if you reach the round of 16 you get an additional 500 grand around a 32 sorry 500 grand round of 16 just over a million quarterfinals just over 1.5 semi-finals 2.4 uh get to the final and you get 4.5 and if you win it you can get 8.5 uh million now these are figures taken from a, a number of sources that i've tried to source um so take them with a pinch of salt but these are basically the ballparks of of these different positions you can see how much of a drop there is to the uefa europa league in terms of that prize money it is significant um and then that's that it doesn't end there. So if we look at potential winnings of these competitions, the winners of the Champions League can get between 90 to 125 million euros, which is an incredible amount of money, obviously. And Chelsea or Man City are set to earn between that amount should they go on to win it. And even if one of them doesn't, they're going to get a hell of a lot too. I should say that England, because it is an all-English final, will benefit and clubs in the Premier League will benefit from the fact that there will be an English winner. Um, of course, it benefits everyone, so it doesn't really change too much. But in terms of European comparisons, it helps. Uh, the Europa League you can see the difference. The potential prize money between the Champions League and the Europa League is absolutely massive. Um, you're looking at basically a four times difference uh, in some cases. Well, not even more than that. So you're looking like a six times difference if you look at the lowest point of the prize money for the Champions League and the highest point of the prize money for the Europa League. It's, it's crazy um, how much of a difference there is. And that means that we can try and predict using these metrics what the UEFA Conference League prize money might look like you can't do it per round because they haven't released the uh, official prize money yet but using the kind of published data on these two competitions for last for this season and last season we can predict that the conference league estimate is going to be between 2.5 and 8.5 million and that's quite a broad gap i know and that's unfortunately only because we've, we've got to go on what we've got the data that we've got here it, it's incredibly small amount of money. Um, we also need to link into what this means in terms of the Premier League um, for possibly finishing uh, in seventh place in comparison to ninth place in the table. So in terms of how this is done, how it's uh, how kind of the, the money is, is laid out to teams, 50% of all of the, the total prize money in the TV money and etc is equally shared so all of the the commercial revenue is is equally shared 50 percent 25 percent is a merit share based upon where you finish in the league and the other 25 percent merit share is the number of games that you have featured on television so arsenal come out quite well in that but this season pretty much everyone has featured on telly because of the whole pandemic situation and because of the just a situation whereby they were showing every single game this season so that that isn't really too much of an issue but there will be some money coming in from featuring in europe on tv so those side of things does make a difference ever so small um, but it basically means that between seventh and ninth based on the 1920 data from last season there's about a four million pound difference it will probably be even smaller than that um, because of the frequency of live games being different this season in comparison to last season um, but yeah, it's it's not a huge difference. So if you add those kind of things together, finishing seventh, you're looking at about a 15, 12 to 15 max, absolute max. A minimum, you're looking at about six to seven million for finishing seventh. And then you have to go and win the UEFA Conference League. 
So in terms of what this means, it's not a huge amount. Um, it really is not a huge amount in regards to how much you can actually win from what we can estimate from the Conference League. It's it's really it's a really sad state of affairs, um, unfortunately. And we can own, as I said, this is purely an estimate. So take all of those, all of the data with a with a pinch of salt. But we've put ourselves in a position where we're going to be getting barely any money um, from this. Um, so in terms of how this affects Arsenal's transfer window, in a monetary sense, not very greatly um, for, for like what, what money we will get. We will get a fair chunk still, of course, from finishing in the semi-finals of the Europa League. I mean, if we go back, look at those uh, UEFA standings for the semi-finals. You're going to be getting 2.4 for getting to the semi-finals on top of the 1.5, the 1.1, the 0.5, uh, and the the wins in the group stage. In in addition to the three million, so quick maths, you're looking over 10 million euros around that figure uh, for getting into the semi-final of the of the Europa League this season, which in it, in itself is not a huge amount of money. <laughs> it really is not. If you're not in the Champions League, the money just drops absolutely hugely. So it could even be worse for the Conference League in this situation. Um, but what I would say is that don't let this kind of impact your opinion of how a player will be attracted to come into the club because Arsenal still hold a huge amount of weight in their kind of standing in terms of players. Players still very much want to play for Arsenal because of the stature of the club, because of what it was like when they were growing up as players, because of the time period. It's something that we need to rescue very quickly because in 10 years' time, that same kind of feeling around players who are obviously younger are not going to have that same attachment to the club as players that are in the current era. And so we need to sort out our positioning and where we are in the table very, very soon to risk falling out of things completely in both historic merit and where we are just in the present day table standing. So it's something that needs to be changed. And hopefully, and it's the biggest hopefully you've ever heard me say, but hopefully there'll be some investment in the summer. We don't know. We're being told constantly that there might be, but we just don't know at this stage. It's almost impossible to know if there is going to be any investment because it's never really happened before at all, if at all. Uh, and we've just got to hope that it turns around and, and something changes at the end of the day. That's That's the situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, Stefania says every time a Spurs player leaves Spurs the team they go to win uh, the league or a Champions League by Modric Berbatov um, it's not too dissimilar to Arsenal these days unfortunately players that leave us and go on to a bigger team tend to go on and win things um, it's not so it's it, unfortunately it's not really a thing we can banter them about uh, Blake Gunner says man I really hope we don't get into the conference league we should take this year and make sure we improve on our performances give time to our younger players and solidify it in positions we really need I mean it's interesting you say about giving time to young players and yet not wanting to be in the conference league because actually the conference league I think would provide a great opportunity to bloodier youngsters to allow players like Balogun play more minutes to allow players like Aziz get in, even players that have been on loan this season like Ballard and McGuinness and get them up, see players get more regular game time that they wouldn't be able to get necessarily playing in the Premier League. So it's ironic that you bring that up because I think actually you could use it as an opportunity to blood those youngsters. And if you get knocked out playing the youngsters, it's not really a big deal, to be honest, um, because the prize money is so minimal that it doesn't really impact things massively. But I think it's a good opportunity still to play those young kids 
if anything. If you win the competition, you qualify automatically for the Europa League, <laughs> which is great. And the Europa League teams that finish third in their groups will also drop into that, which is not going to be specifically. I mean, if you think about the teams that finished third in our... Was it, it wasn't Dundalk, it was Austria? Uh, Rapid, yeah, Rapid. It was uh, Rapid that finished third. So they would drop into the uh, conference league. So it's one big team from England, one team from Spain, one from France, one from Italy, one from Germany. And then as you get further down your coefficients, there's more teams. Uh, so I think Scotland get two, um, if I'm right about that. I think Ireland get about three. So... They're going to be small teams and it is going to probably end up being a quarterfinals of all the big teams across you unless they all play their kids and they're not that fussed about it. But European teams tend to take these things more seriously, especially kind of in comparison. I know that's ironic considering that England could have had two England teams in the final, but European teams don't tend to rotate hugely in, say, the Europa League. And they do take it quite seriously in comparison to, say, English teams who rotate very heavily. So you never know. You might see some big teams getting knocked out earlier on because they've been naive or they've just rotated too heavily. But I don't think that will happen. Um, I think there's more chance of, a, of a, a top European side on the continent winning this competition than, say, us or whoever finishes seventh if we were to get into it. Um, let's scroll down and get some more of your thoughts. Uh, Balogun, Aziz, Willock should go on loan, says Marley. I mean, I'd rather sell Willock, to be honest, rather than send him on another loan because there's no guarantee he has another great season. So I think that's probably the right way to go down that route. Um, then, then loan him and then you're losing that value again or just keep him. Um, so there you go. Uh, Wesley says, let's say we get into the Champions League and get to the semi-final or the Conference League, I think you mean. Uh, but should we play, let's say, Saka and Millsmith? It would depend on the fixtures in the league, mate, and how much they're playing. Um, but I don't necessarily think you would really have to risk them. Um, but we don't know how we're going to tackle it if we end up getting into it. But it's still a very likely possibility that we end up in it because of the fixtures on the last game of the season favouring Arsenal. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, anyway, I feel like that's pretty much we've said everything that we could possibly say. Um, about this so we're probably going to curtail the show there as I said there is going to be another show this evening 8.30pm UK time with a podcast group of guests if you have enjoyed the show please make sure you drop a like on a bit and subscribe we are very very close to hitting our 22,000 subs um, so please make sure you do help us out with a subscription and like if you would enjoy uh, or if you rather have enjoyed these shows because we've been providing you with them every single day and yet we're seeing hundreds of people tuning in the mornings and yet the like comparison is quite low uh, so unless you're not enjoying them i don't know but please hit the like button so i really would appreciate it um but i'll see you tomorrow morning if you don't tune in for the podcast later which you should do um but it's been a pleasure to speak to you as always and as always up the arsenal It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates are around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.